Great, again, welcome to Jubilee. It's so good to have you uh, with us this morning, especially if you're uh, visiting or you're new to us. I hope you've been uh, made to feel very welcome. We have uh, refreshments again at the end. We'd love to uh, love for you to stay around, introduce yourself to us so we can get to know you better. My name's Dan. I'm uh, one of the leaders here at the church. And uh, at, the, at the moment, we are, um, we are in a teaching series going through the... Uh, the values of regions beyond. So this is the booklet which has all the values in. Hopefully you've got one. If you haven't, then um, do go to the back at the end and the, the, the booklets are available on the table. Um, regions Beyond is a family of churches that we're part of. Um, we're newly part of them, so we are teaching through uh, the values of what it is to be part of Regions Beyond so we can get an idea together of what that means for our identity. We are, uh, so we're teaching through different topics each week and with the idea that we will have a, a greater understanding of, of who Regions Beyond are and what God's plan is for us as part of Regions Beyond. Um, we've got the pleasure of having um, one of their, the part of their leadership team, Trevor Payne, is coming um, in November, the end of November, to speak to us. So he'll be sharing something of Regions Beyond's heart with us. And then the following week, we have uh, Steve Oliver, who is the leader of Regions Beyond the Whole Movement. He's going to be coming to Hull. He's a South African guy who's come to England via Dubai. He is an incredible guy. And he's going to be coming. And hopefully, um, we don't, won't just be teaching the values. I hope these have been helpful, but you'll get to start to meet some of the people. We had Daniel earlier on in the year, and you'll be meeting these people who are part of Regions Beyond, and we'll be uh, finding out what it means for us as a church to be part of this movement. Uh, if you were with us for a prayer meeting um, in uh, June, was it? June, we had Gareth come from South Africa. Uh, incredible that we are partnering with the nations. We could, uh, in our hall upstairs, hear about what God is doing in South Africa and in Lesotho. It's an amazing privilege to be part of this uh, group of churches. And, and, and us as a leadership team, we're so excited about what this partnership means. Um, and then in, in January, we're really excited because um, all, of the, the Northern, uh, all of the UK regions beyond leaders are coming here to Hull for our yearly uh, gathering. Um, and part of that will be there will be an evening where you will all be invited to come and celebrate what God is doing. You will hear loads of stuff which is going on uh, in regions beyond. So hopefully um, you'll be getting a flavor as we go through these values. And over the next few months, you will really see in action what it means. And for us, we're not sure. We're not sure what it means, but we're excited to be partnering with regions beyond and all that it has in store for us. So do grab a booklet. Um, and today, my, um, my topic is that we are uh, devoted to mission. So that is uh, the, the, the topic and the value that we are looking at today. And I don't know what you think about when you think about mission, but um, 21 years ago, there was a film released called Mission Impossible. Who's seen Mission Impossible? Um, in it, uh, the government agent, Ethan Hunt, played by... Tom Cruise, who's on this picture, uh, he's on a secret assignment when his, his colleague and mentor, Jim Phelps, is killed. Um, overnight, Ethan becomes the, the prime murder suspect, and he is a seriously wanted man. He embarks on this seemingly impossible task of proving his innocence. And when I started to think about that we are devoted to mission, this film came to mind. Um, because I don't know about you, but when I hear the word mission, I often think it's something that is impossible. 
don't know about you, but I think about it. I think it's impossible that I would, it's mission is something that I would ever be any good at or I would ever be really successful or comfortable at doing. Um, mission, in my mind, is it's going out on the streets like we heard Steve share about earlier on. It's about telling people about Jesus. It's about, um, about having conversations with family and friends. It's about inviting people to church or to Alpha courses. And I see certain people in the church, and I think, they are really good at that. Not me. Mission impossible. And and we have this sense of duty that Jesus tells us to do mission. We really should be good at it. But we just, for a lot of us, we probably walk around, if you're anything like me, feeling a little bit guilty that we're not very good at it. And I think this has happened because for many of us, we see mission as as preaching the gospel, as reaching the lost, as seeing salvations, um, evangelism. Now, they're not all wrong because we see in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus says to his disciples, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we hear that, so then we think, well, mission is about being obedient to what God has said. Today, I want to suggest that for some of us, including myself, we may have misunderstood mission and what mission is for far too long. And in fact, mission is actually not about what we're doing, it's about what God is doing. And he just invites us to participate in something he already has started and that he will finish. And to do that, I want to start by looking at what is God's mission, then how he involves us in that mission, and then finally, what do we do with that as we go from here? Is that okay? God's been speaking a lot this morning, um, and, and that's amazing. And I want him to, to speak through me, so can we pray? And then we'll get into it. Yes, Lord, we just thank you that you have given us your word. You have given us the pages of scripture where you, want to, you reveal yourself to us, you speak to us, you direct us. And Lord, I just pray that as, as I speak, may you inspire my words by the Holy Spirit. May I speak something of you, something of your heart. May I communicate something of who you are to everyone here this morning. Lord, as our kids upstairs are hearing about mission, may you be speaking truth into their lives. May they be, may they be getting a passion for being on mission with you this morning. May the people in this room, may all of us have ears that are ready to hear you and hearts that are ready to be changed by you this morning. Amen. Firstly, what is God's mission? I don't know what you think you're on this earth for. I don't know what a successful life would look like. If you'd have asked me that question a few years ago, my answer would have been um, a well-paid job, um, a large house with a drive and a garage, uh, a wife and three beautifully spoken children. That's what a successful life would be. And that was my purpose. As I thought about my career and my life, it was how could I build this dream? Obviously, before that, it was to be a professional footballer. Uh, Then it was to be in a boy band um, (laughs) and or a policeman, all at the same time, if I could. But the Bible, you're all thinking about what boy band I'd be in, are you? Yeah? 
Backstreet Boys, if you want to know. Backstreet Boys. But the Bible tells me that I'm not here to fulfill my dreams. The Bible tells me that I was made by God and made for God. Colossians 1.16 says, All things have been created through him and for him. We were not made to satisfy ourselves. We were not made to live the dream life, but we were instead made for God. But what exactly did God make us for? Well, Scripture tells us in Isaiah 43, everyone who was called by my name, whom I created for my glory. It later says in verse 21 of the same chapter, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. These scriptures show us that the purpose that we were created for was to worship God, to glorify God. We find that even before creation, God is passionate about his glory. Jesus says in John 17, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus is speaking to God here and he's saying, before any of this earth was created, we were enjoying and rejoicing in each other's glory. God created us for his glory, to bring him glory, that through us, God might be glorified. Now that might seem a little bit odd that God would seek glory for himself by creating man, But Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is an arrogance from God, but it is recognizing that we were created to be worshippers. And so often we look to other places, we look to people, to things to be the recipient of our worship, whether that is relationships, whether that's celebrities, whether that's sport or music or ourselves, we don't have to look far to see that we were created to be worshippers. But so often we focus our worship in the wrong places. Therefore, giving God glory is about redirecting our worship back to the place it is always designed to be. He alone is worthy of worship, our affection, and our praise today. And when we see God for who he is, then our response is worship, giving him the glory. We were made for worship, and God's mission is to build a people who will glorify him. We see God's mission start in the book of Genesis. He chooses a special group of people, the people of Israel. The first 11 chapters are about the creation of the nations and the people who God desires to glorify him. From verse 12 onwards in the book of Genesis, it focuses on one specific person, Abraham, who would become Abraham, and his family, who would become the people of Israel. God wants to be glorified, and the way he was going to accomplish his mission was to create a people who would worship him, the people of Israel, and then through Israel, all peoples and nations would be blessed through them. Genesis 12, verses 2 to 3 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God creates a a covenant, an agreement 
with Israel, that he would be faithful to them, he would guide them, he would protect them, and in return, he calls the Israelites to be faithful and be obedient to him. Uh, The pages of the Old Testament don't tell us exactly how he's going to use Israel to be a blessing to the nations and all of creation, but it seems to be clear that Israel was God's answer to the problem of a sinful humanity who had rebelled against God. And as time goes on, we find the people of Israel, who God had chosen to fulfill his mission, constantly failing him. He wants to be glorified through them, but they keep placing their affection, their worship elsewhere. They are disobedient, and therefore we find God promising a new covenant that he would create in order to fulfill his mission on earth. It says this promise comes in Jeremiah 31, verses 34 Sorry, verses 31 to verses 34. It says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. God's mission is no longer about just seeing his name glorified amongst the people of Israel, but it begins to embrace all nations. We see this mission progress as he sends Jesus to this earth to live amongst his people, to establish and proclaim the kingdom of God, not just to Israel, but to all nations, and to see the kingdom advance. Jesus draws together those who choose to follow him, and he gave them the same calling that he gave the people of Israel, to be people set apart to be worshippers of God, to see his name glorified as they serve God as his representatives in the world. God's goal for the whole of the world, for the whole of human history, is to glorify his son Jesus in the midst of a people that he has rescued and transformed. God's mission is to raise up a people who will glorify him in this world. That was the Israelites, but it now includes you and me. So when we talk about mission, we first need to remember that God is on a mission. He is the one at work, drawing a people to him. If you have chosen to follow Jesus today, then you are part of that mission. You have been drawn in. If you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, then right now you are far from God. You are not living by the purpose that you were created for. You may be worshipping a whole manner of things, but not the things you were created for because you were created to worship God. And the good news is that God does not desire you to stay separate from him. And because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, he made a way for you to come into relationship with God, to live as you were designed to, as you turn from the things that you are worshipping now and choose to worship God instead. But for many of us here today, we have become the people of God who will glorify him on this earth. Our mission is to show God's glory to those around us so that they can experience a relationship with God that we are enjoying. So how does God use us to see him glorified? What is our role? Secondly, what is our role in God's mission? 
Firstly, God uses us in his mission by creating us in his image. Genesis 1, 26 to 27, this is the creation story. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all wild animals, over all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God creates a people to glorify him. But amazingly, he doesn't create robots. He doesn't create a group of just thoughtless, brainless objects who worship him. But he creates a people in his image. This means, as as Wayne Gruden puts it in his book, Systematic Theology, man is like God and represents God. This is really important. Man is not God. Man is like God and represents God. I remember when I was at school, I remember before any trip we would go on, um, we would be sat down and we would be told to remember that when we leave the school, we are wearing the school uniform. Did anyone have that talk? Do you have that talk? Still at school now? That talk of when you leave the site, you are representing the school. The actions and our behavior would reflect what people thought of the school. We put the school on display because we were dressed in the image of the school. And in this case, the uniform. My fruit of the loom jumper. (laughs) They've got blazers and stuff now, haven't they? But my fruit of the loom jumper with the little badge on became the image that people thought when they thought of the school. We were putting the school on display. So when God creates us in his image, we are putting God on display to all those around us. God's intention was to populate the whole earth with a people who would reflect him and establish his rule on the earth. God's intention from the beginning was to fill the earth with people who would reflect him and glorify him. God's role for us as image bearers was to see the kingdom of God established. You see, God started with the people of Israel, but his plan was to have image bearers over all of creation, to see every society come under the rule of King Jesus. Understanding we are image bearers means that we have a significant role to play in establishing God's kingdom on earth, where everyone is giving God the glory he deserves. Just as my school uniform meant that I represented the school, so being an image bearer of God means that I represent Jesus to those around me. Not just telling them about Jesus, but showing them Jesus. This isn't just a job for some of us. Going on to Jane's word, this is everybody. This isn't just an elite. You don't have to just come when you feel like you've made it, but this is a job for every single one of us to be image bearers. Whether we are in our homes, our streets, our schools, our workplaces, different cities or different nations, we all have the same privilege of being able to represent God and of playing a part in seeing his kingdom established and his name glorified. Do people see Jesus when they encounter you? 
And of course, the truth is that we don't represent Jesus the way we should all the time. The Bible is clear that although we were created in the image of God, since the point of Adam and Eve first rebelling, the image of God has been distorted. And from that point onwards, the image is in need of restoration. But that restoration has begun. The promise of completion is, is there because of what Jesus did on the cross. Every time we mess up and we fail to live up to that image, the purpose we were created for, the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus means that we don't face the punishment we deserve, but instead we can come before Jesus, ask for forgiveness, and know that we are in the process of being changed and being restored back to the perfect image that God intended from the beginning. 2 Corinthians 3.18. I feel like I use this verse every time I preach. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That means we don't have to, you know those moments where you're just like, oh, I had the opportunity to represent Jesus, and I messed up big time. Or that moment when you get a bit of road rage, and then you realize that the person you're giving the road rage to knows you. Oh, man. Or that moment that you, you just get really angry and you say the word, a swear word, and someone hears you. We play church football. I hear it all the time. <laughs> or that moment that you just know I want to represent Jesus. This is what a great opportunity. And in that moment, the anger or my pride got in the way. Oh, that feeling of I just didn't represent God well there. We are a distorted image, but we are being transformed into the perfect image. So that means we come again and we come to God and we say, God, I need your help to be this image. But then he gives us the spirit to empower us. The more we become like Christ, the better we represent him, the more he is glorified. As we understand that we are image bearers, we devote ourselves to mission the mission that we are being called to, we become serious about representing God and seeing his kingdom come. When we realize it's not about just coming to a Sunday service, it's not about ticking off that I've been to my growth group this week, it's not about reading my Bible and making sure I keep up to, my, up to date with my Bible notes. But when we realize it's about representing God, it's about seeing his name glorified, then suddenly we take every aspect of our life seriously because we are putting Jesus on display. So that is God's mission. And he, want, he wants to see his name glorified. He wants to raise up a people who would glorify him. And he does that by making image bearers, making you and I. But what now? You leave here today and you know that God wants to use you to advance his kingdom. But you go back into the same struggles, the same difficulties. You have the same fears. I have heard so many messages about how God wants to use me. But if I'm honest... The majority of them haven't changed me. The majority of them, I go out feeling like, I know I need to do it, but I go out feeling a little bit guilty or a little bit like a failure. Or I go out really enthusiastic, but by two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, sometimes one o'clock, the enthusiasm's gone. Well, I want to spend the rest of my time looking at how we live as image bearers and live in a way which sees God's kingdom breaking in. Do we want to see that? Do we want help to live as image bearers? 
Hopefully, this will give us some great ways that we can practically engage with God's mission. Firstly, is be a worshipper. If you are trying to show others who God is, then it starts from being a place of being a worshipper. Not just singing a few songs on a Sunday, but living lives which glorify God. We cannot expect others will want to follow us and glorify our God if we are not doing the same as we are made in his image. As we devote ourselves to mission, then we will show the world what it is to be a worship, not to be a worshipper of idols, not to chase dreams, not to live for ourselves, but instead to be a worshipper of God, putting him first, putting others before ourselves, see, uh, being content with what God has given us, having a heart of thanksgiving, serving others, living lives of love and generosity. Let's start by being worshippers of God. Let's start by living life which glorify him. Secondly, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, on leaving this earth, did not leave us alone. He didn't say, go on, this is your mission, try and get on with it. He didn't say, go on, just try your hardest to be part of God's mission. No, he gives us the great commission, but then he promises the Holy Spirit will empower us, and he, he will send the Holy Spirit to empower all believers. The Holy Spirit is the power source. He is the one who works to achieve God's mission, and it is available to us. The Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us. The early church, we don't see them trying to persuade people that God was real, but they show God was real through demonstration of the Holy Spirit. They saw the the kingdom of God breaking in. Signs and wonders accompanied them. People were healed. Lives were changed, and it was all a sign that God was fulfilling his mission. Are you relying on the Holy Spirit today? Or do you try and go it alone? Do you expect the kingdom of God is going to break into the situations that you are in right now? Thirdly, build relationships. This may seem really obvious, but if you only spend time with Christians, not many people outside of the church are going to see the image of God. Church is great. Being around Christians is vital for growth, but then we are sent into the world to glorify God and reflect his image to those around us. You don't have to look for a mission field to evangelize. You just have to look at who's around you. Paul spent time preaching in the synagogues because he was a Jew and he had relationships in those places. That's why him and Barnabas ended up in, in Cyprus because, and, the, and the gospel had the opportunity to impact a different country because they went with their connections and their relationships. What circles do you find yourself in? Where has God placed you already to have an impact with the gospel? Fourthly, know your audience. As you build friendships and relationships, as you invest in current friendships, you will get the chance to speak about faith and Jesus. The way you live will cause questions to be asked. People will show an interest. You will get opportunity to speak truth into situations. But when the opportunities arise, make sure you know your audience. Don't put people off with some crazy spiritual language. Don't that people just won't understand. Don't have a constant agenda to constantly Bible bash people. Don't answer questions that they're not asking. But listen. Answer the questions they are asking. Ask questions. Communicate love and adapt your message to the people you are speaking to. And fifthly and finally, feel it. God is on a mission. 
And his mission only exists because there are people on this earth who do not know Jesus and are not following him and glorifying him. John Piper, who's an author and preacher, says this. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is the ultimate, not mission. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity. But worship abides forever. Mission only exists because there are people not worshipping God. I don't know about you, but so often I can look at the world and feel a hopelessness. Sometimes I can look at the world and feel a sense of sorrow. Sometimes I can look at the world and feel like I have a role to play. But you know what? Often I look at the world and I just don't feel anything. I don't have a sense of sorrow for those people walking around who don't know Jesus. Is that me? I don't grieve for friends and family living in darkness. I don't look around and think, oh my word, these people are living in darkness. These people don't know Jesus. Often I don't have an urgency to see God's kingdom breaking in. I know that it's coming. I know Jesus is returning one day, but that day feels so far away that it never really has an effect here. Paul, the writer of the book of Romans, he was a Jew, one of God's chosen people who I spoke about earlier. But he knew that due to their disobedience, the people of Israel were separate from God and they needed to choose to follow Jesus themselves. He had made that decision, but he spoke about his fellow Jews. This is what he says in Romans 9. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. Those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Paul is saying here is that it is the Israelites who were chosen by God. They were designed to be in relationship with God, but at the time they were far away. He says he has great sorrow an unceasing anguish in his heart when he sees the lost, the Israelites living in darkness. He says he would rather be cut off and cursed from Christ if it meant that other people experience salvation. Wow. What an incredible moment if you feel it that much. Do you feel that? When you see the lost around this city, on your street, in your family, do you feel sorrow and anguish? If we want to be a people devoted to mission, then I think it is going to start with us being a people on our knees, crying out to God to break into the lives of those around us. Tears for my friends in my football team. Tears for my best mate, Paul. Tears for my brother-in-law and his family. Because I believe if we start to feel it here, then the Holy Spirit will move us into action to become people devoted to mission but I think it's going to start with us being on our knees. It's going to start with us crying out for God to break in. Revelation 7, 9 to 12 tells us of a future to come 
when Jesus is glorified once and for all. This is where creation is heading. If you want to know where you're going, listen to this. After this, I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. That's Jesus. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to the Lord who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks, honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. All the people from every nation, tribe, people, language, worshipping with the angels around the throne of God. What a moment that will be. What a moment. And you know what? If you're a follower of Jesus today, you'll be there. I'll be there. I'll see you there. It's going to be great. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that moment marks eternal separation from him. For the guys in my football team, that moment marks eternal separation from Jesus. For my best mate Paul, that moment marks separation from him. For my brother-in-law and his family, that moment marks eternal separation from Jesus. For your family who don't know Jesus, for your friends who don't know Jesus, for your neighbours, for your work colleagues, it marks eternal separation from Jesus. It's a big moment. It's a big moment. But you know what? It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be the moment that marks eternal separation because Jesus makes a way for us to come into relationship. And just as you experienced relationship with Jesus again, so can they. There is no one too far from Jesus. There is no one too far from his reach. He longs to break in and he wants to use us. He longs to see his name glorified. He longs to create in a people who will glorify him across every nation, from every tribe and tongue, worshipping him around the throne. And he uses us as image bearers, people who live out, who live as Jesus, going out into this world and reflecting him and seeing his name glorified. And I want to give chance, just two more minutes, just for that to start to penetrate into our hearts. For me, so often I can just move on and, and quickly move on and go and get my tea and my coffee and it not change me. And what I want to do is I want to invite the Holy Spirit to do something in our hearts because my words are going to mean very little come lunchtime, come tomorrow morning, come Wednesday. But when the Holy Spirit breaks in and transforms us, I think it changes forever. Do we agree? Yeah. So I just want to have a moment of quiet and I just want you to reflect on that picture. That picture of Jesus being worshipped. All angels, people from every nation, tribe and tongue around the throne of Jesus. And then I want you to think about who in your life is not going to be there with you. That's what I want you to do. And then as the Holy Spirit starts to, to, to minister to our hearts, starts to change us, what I want you to do is I want you to do something really brave. If God puts someone on your heart who he knows he has placed in your life, I just want you to say the name out. Really easy. I just want you to say the name out. 
And actually, I believe as we start to say the names out, I think God's going to start to do something in our hearts and start to change us. So let's just have a moment of silence. And then when you feel ready, those people in your heart who don't know Jesus, just, just one, just pick one. Give them a shout out. Shout their name out and let's, let's the Holy Spirit start to do something in our hearts.